Welcome to the sermon podcast of Christ Lutheran Church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. We are glad that you are here. At Christ Church, we believe that God is alive in Holy Scripture, inspiring, challenging, and guiding us today. As we journey through the Bible together, we bring our hopes, our pain, our questions, and our doubts, trusting Jesus to meet us here full of grace. Christ Lutheran Church is a special place of healing. May the Word of God bless you today. As kids, uh, we used to play a game called sardines. Anyone ever play that game, sardines? Hands. Anybody that has... Okay, Kate, Ella, and Emma, we would dominate. We would dominate if we were to get a game of sardines going here. So sardines is a game we'd, we'd play as kids um, at like sleepovers, at church youth group events. It's kind of like hide-and-seek. Uh, except that instead of everyone going and hiding somewhere and one person comes to find them, one person goes to hide, and then everybody goes to look for that one person. And when, if you find that person where they're hiding, you hide with them. And, and you can see why a church would be an amazing place to play sardines. There's so many places to hide. And so everybody's looking for this one person, this one hiding place. If you find them, you join them. Eventually, everybody's joining and joining and joining in this one hiding place until there's one kid left looking for everybody. And there's everybody packed into one hiding place like a, like a can of sardines. My favorite place to hide uh, was in the choir room behind the choir robes which was a great place to hide, but only a few people could hide there. Eventually, there were just arms and legs and sticking out from behind the robes and filling up the room, and you couldn't, you were pretty easy to find at that point. And what I loved about that game, unlike hide-and-seek where you're hiding by yourself for so long, in, in Sardines, you're only going to be by yourself for a little while because eventually your friends are going to start joining you. When I was, was there, I, I, I knew that while I was alone for a little while in behind those choir robes, I knew that I was going to be found, and I knew that people, not just one person, but all of my friends were looking for me. They wanted to join me, and I would not be alone in the dark for very long. But imagine a game of sardines where one kid hides, and then none of his friends try to find him. Maybe he, he set out to play the game and he forgot to tell everybody we're going to go play sardines so they don't even know he's missing. He's just hiding by himself and nobody's looking for him. Or maybe they trick him. They let him go and hide. So we're all going to play sardines. They let him go and hide and they leave him alone in the dark while they go to play something else without him. He's alone in the dark. He's uncertain if, if anyone truly remembers him or knows that he's missing. Is anybody coming? Does anybody care? That's a terrible feeling. Can you imagine how terrible feeling that would be? It's terrible to be in any kind of pain. It, it's especially hard to be in a pain that isn't obvious to others. 
like depression or an, any kind of emotional pain, a, a spiritual pain. But we all experience this at times. We all go through seasons like this, whether we call it depression or being blue. Maybe you just feel overwhelmed. Maybe you're just sad. Maybe, maybe you call it just anxious or stressed. We all have these feelings, and, and I know that there are folks here today or, or folks who are listening online who right now are hurting on the inside. Maybe you or, or somebody you know right now feels a little bit like that kid alone in the dark, feels like part of them is unseen, unknown, like you are hiding, but you're in plain sight. People see you, but they don't see your pain. They, know, they, don't, they don't know what you are, are really going through. So, beloved, I, I want you to know right now that you are not alone, that God sees you, that God is with you in that place, and that God can lead you to the light because there are people in your life People God has put in your life who want to be there for you. And I want you to trust me on that. Just trust me. That's true. But we're going to spend some time in the next three weeks. We're going to talk about why and how I know that that is true. That it's true that God sees you and loves you and that God doesn't want you to feel like you don't, that you have to hide. And it may not seem like it today, but there are better days ahead. And so don't give up. Have faith. Keep hope. Live. So National Suicide Prevention Week begins today. Today. The month of September is Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. The suicide is something that has touched all of our lives. Maybe it's something that you've dealt with personally. Or maybe someone close to you has died by suicide. And if not, everybody here knows somebody who has lost somebody to suicide. That suffering and pain that contributes to suicide and the suffering and pain that suicide causes in the lives of survivors is something that should not have to happen alone in the dark. My hope is that you can find some encouragement and hope in these sermons over the next three weeks or maybe share them with someone. And my hope is that whoever listens will also feel empowered and called by God to help somebody else who may be struggling. So I want you to have the understanding. I want you to, to have the tools to give hope to maybe even save lives. Because we all have a role to play. So this week we are beginning this three-week sermon series. It's called Faith, Hope, Life. 
I'm borrowing that title from a national organization that's called the Action Alliance for Suicide Prevention. I've worked with this organization in the past. They actually reached out to me a few years ago after I wrote an op-ed for Penn Live about the need for churches to be a place of healing for those with suicidal ideation. And I wrote that piece after a woman came to our church one Sunday right after we finished with worship and everybody had left the building and she came to our door experiencing a mental health crisis. And so we sat right there in those chairs and, and talked for a long time, listened to her, and, and as she shared what she was going through, I felt the Holy Spirit encourage me to ask her if she was thinking about ending her life. She said she was and that she had a plan. And so we were able to get her the help that she actually came to our church seeking. If there is anything that the church should be known for, it is that. That it is a safe place with people who can be trusted, people who are hopeful and also equipped to help. Do you know... This, is, this might sound funny to you all, but this is, this is true. A lot of people think that church is a place for people to come who have it all together. Some people think that you have to have it all together to go to church. The church is just full of, of, of people who are, who are chipper and living their best lives, and, and, and they are just following Jesus' way. There's a lot of people who stay away from church because they think, I, I'm, church isn't for a place like me. I'm too, I'm too sad. I'm, I'm too angry. I'm too broken. I've had too many mistakes in my life. I, that's, that church is for, for people once they're ready to follow Jesus. A lot, of, a lot of people think that about church. It's a strange thing because it's not the case here. It's not the case that the church is full of, of, of perfect or even uh, people who have it all together in any church that I've been to. I've never been to a church where everyone has got it all together. And when you look at Jesus' way, well, his way was filled with people who were looking for help in the darkness. They came to him from a place of their brokenness. They came to him in the dark of whatever was going on in their lives. The gospel that Kate read for us today says that Jesus went about to all of the cities and towns. He went even into places of worship. And those who came to him had every kind of sickness and disease. Every kind of sickness and disease. They had physical illness. They had mental illness. Every kind of sickness and disease. That's who came to Jesus. That's who surrounded Jesus. Jesus' presence spoke to people who were hurting and it stirred hope in them. He, he made people hope and believe that in, because of him, maybe a life is possible beyond that suffering. Christ for Jesus was not, church for Jesus was not filled with shiny, happy people holding hands as R.E.M. sings. It's filled with people who couldn't hide their pain and they trusted him to help. The gospel says he saw 
each and every one of them. And when he saw them, he was not repulsed by what he saw. He did not pity them or pour them for what, what, what they're going through. No, he saw them and then he had compassion for them and he helped them. So when I say that anyone who feels alone in their pain isn't really alone, it's because I believe the gospel, that Jesus did see every single hurting people in the crowd and he sees every single hurting person today. I believe the gospel. And so if you are in pain today, Jesus sees you. And if someone you care about is suffering today, you can tell them that they aren't alone. Jesus sees them. You see them. And what Jesus sees, he cares about. He has compassion for so the church is really more like a hospital than it is a social club. It's a place where we can come and admit that we aren't all right, but we want to be made well. Christians are called to be like Christ, to see, to welcome, to help. You, you can help someone whom others, to, to be someone that others can, can trust, to be real with, to be maybe even raw with. You can help by maybe even asking someone who you think might be struggling or at risk to ask them if they're, what they're going through, are they thinking about suicide? You can ask that. And if they are, you, you can help them get the help that they need. There is actually a new, brand new suicide prevention hotline. Who do you call if there's an emergency out there, something's on fire, what do we call? 911, we know, we know, 911, 988, commit that one to your memory, 988. You can call that number with somebody who's hurting. If you are hurting and, and you don't know who to call, you can call 988, and someone will be on the other end of that line to help. And if, you, if you're uncomfortable making phone calls like that, you can text them. You can text 988. You can be someone to equip somebody with that number and you could save a life. If somebody tells you that they're struggling in this way, you can offer to take them to the hospital. You can be someone who asks and then who cares and who helps. Now, I've talked with people who feel a lot of shame about what they are going through. I once talked to a young man who he, he, he didn't feel that he deserved to complain about his pain because he said, other people have it so much worse than I do. He, he didn't really even have a good cause for his suffering. He didn't know why he was in pain. He just, I just am in, I'm in pain. And, and he felt some shame about it because he, he looked at other people who he said, they have it worse than me, and he felt this pressure to, to put on a happy face, to be successful, to not admit his pain or his weakness. Several years ago, I, I sat with a high school lacrosse player, and we're going to call him Jamie. Jamie was in that kind of pain. 
On the outside, he, he had it all together. He was this popular athlete. He was handsome. He was smart. He had a great family. But at this youth event, he, he was struggling. And, and, and he confided in me that he was in this deep internal pain. He was hiding it from everyone. He was hurting himself. He was ashamed that he didn't have a good reason, he thought, for, for being in such pain. He, he, he knew his mom and dad would, would care, but he didn't want to burden them. He didn't want to burden his family with what he was feeling. And he was suffering alone. And he was going under. And Jamie was convinced that because I was a pastor that I was going to try to cheer him up. I, I was, I was going to be there to make him feel better. And man, was he resistant to every, he was ready to not have that happen. He was deeply committed to his anger and his pain. And of course, I wanted him to feel better. But I wasn't about to give him a pep talk. I listened mostly. And then I asked Jamie if I could share a psalm with him. And he rolled his eyes. Sure. But he pointed at my Bible, sure, but, but I know what's in there and it can't help. So I read Psalm 88. Psalm 88 is the only psalm in the Bible that has no word of obvious hope in it. It has no clear statement that it's all going to work out which might seem like a strange thing to read to someone who already feels that way. But I read it. It says, O God, O Lord, God of my salvation, at night when I cry out before you, let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry, for my soul is full of troubles and my life draws near to Sheol, the land of the dead. I am, I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like those who have no help, like those forsaken among the dead, like the slain that lie in their grave, like those who you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. Now, at this point, Jamie was leaning in he wasn't expecting something so raw. He was expecting something inspirational, but he wasn't ready to be inspired. He needed to trust first, trust that he was really seen, that he was understood. And the psalmist was doing just that. Something like Psalm 88 as part of God's word shows us that God knows how we feel and wants us to feel that we can be honest with ourselves and with God without being ashamed. So I went on. You, God, have put me in the depths of the pit. In the regions dark and deep, your wrath lies heavy upon me. You overwhelm me with all of your waves. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a thing of horror to them. I am shut in that I cannot escape, and my eyes grow dim through sorrow. The psalmist accuses God of causing his pain. 
Now, God isn't the source of his pain, but God is strong enough and understanding enough to let us put the blame on him if we need to. If I can't figure out why I'm in so much pain, God says, well, just put it on me. Blame me. So the psalmist rages at God, accusing God of punishing him, making him a horror to his friends. You overwhelm me with all of your waves. He feels like he is drowning in pain. And like Jamie, he was going under. The psalmist says, every day I call to you, O Lord. Every day I call on you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you. So do you work wonders among the dead? Do the shades rise up to, to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness or your saving help in the land of forgetfulness? But I, O oh Lord, cry out to you. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. So, O oh Lord, why do you cast me off? Why do you hide your face from me? Wretched and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terrors. I am desperate. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dread assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. From all sides they close in on me. You have caused friend and neighbor to shun me. My companions are in darkness. Closed my Bible. And Jamie was weeping. I sat with him, just my hand on his back. I said nothing while big, heaving sobs came out of him. Martin Luther once said, I, I did nothing, the word did everything. And finally, he looked up and he said, that's me. That's what I feel. And God knows. God knows. A thousand pounds fell off of him in that moment because he knew he wasn't alone in the dark. God's word showed up for him to tell him that what he feels is real and it's valid. And he doesn't need to be ashamed. He doesn't have to cheer up right now. He doesn't have to be inspired. For those who are suffering, sometimes it's simply enough to know that they aren't crazy, that you aren't alone. The internal pain, the depression, the darkness, it does not make you a weak person. It doesn't make you a bad person. Christian, it makes you a person. And your God, who suffered such pain himself in Jesus, well, God wants to hold you with your pain. And then in time, to help lift it off of you and welcome you out of the dark. You know, a couple years later, I was at a big youth conference and I saw Jamie. He was in college. He was chaperoning a youth group. He was beaming. He, he saw me across the room. He came over. He gave me this huge hug. And then he, he started to talk about his journey out of the dark. 
a change that, that began that day, and it was a journey. He, he needed help, but now he knew that he, he could get help, that he wanted help, that help was possible. And now he's walking with other young people in their own journeys of faith and life. The psalmist asks God, are your wonders known in the darkness? And then Jamie became the psalmist in a reply that I didn't hear but which I saw and which I have seen over and over and over again in people's lives. The answer is yes, even in the darkness, even when you think there is no hope, there is. God will work wonders even in the dark. Wonders of faith, wonders of hope, wonders of life. And you, church, can help reveal them. You can give hope. You can show the value of life. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to the sermon podcast from Christ Lutheran Church in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. We are honored you joined us. If you're in Harrisburg, we welcome you to join us for worship on Sundays at 1030. To find out more about our church as well as the free health services we offer, visit our website, ChristHarrisburg.org. Our theme music is by Lucian Kemper. I hope today's sermon blessed you and you'll join us again. Until then... May God be with you.